Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I'm going to explore the history of a small forgotten place called Dogtown in Leroy Township. So come along and join me. Now, I have always had a fascination for forgotten places and towns that have disappeared on the map. And I'd love to go searching for the remnants of such places and try to find some of the history of how those places came into being to begin with. My first adventure into that in the Calhoun County area is when I went in search of the village of Harmonia. It had an interesting reference that I came across in a book I was studying, and it talked about the village having been founded on a spiritualist movement. And of course, I did a whole video on that, and there's probably a podcast forthcoming on the subject of Harmonia. But that was my first venture into trying to study and look for old forgotten towns and areas of little communities. Some of them are so small that you wouldn't really call them a town. And in the case of this particular little town called Dogtown, I came across it by happenstance. I was looking at the 1894 Atlas of Leroy Township. And there's a notation of Dogtown on the Atlas map in the southwest corner of Leroy Township. And it didn't show up on the earlier atlases, and it didn't show up on the later ones. And it was that was the only reference to it as where it was. And I became very curious. I said, how does a community named Dogtown disappear? I mean, how does it come into being in the first place? Those are questions I always ask myself. So, of course, I started searching around the year 1894 and earlier, and I found a few articles. And then I kind of set the story aside and uh, was working on some other projects. And then I came back to it today, and I decided to do some more digging. And I spent most of the day today doing digging on the little town of Dogtown. And it's a fascinating little history of a small community in Leroy Township that no longer exists. There's probably some houses still there. I can see them when I look on the Google Maps, but there's no exact reference to it as Dogtown. The drainage contracts up until 1995 in Leroy Township indicated there is a section of the township called Dogtown. And there's some drainage issues that came up in later years, but I couldn't find any reference to Dogtown past 1995. And I don't think even in 1995 it was known locally in the community. It was probably just a reference on a drainage map as being that part of the township called Dogtown. So let's dig into the story. What was Dogtown and how did it come into being? Well, there's articles that I found, the earliest article I found is in 1887. And it was really a series of incidents that I was able to piece together of people that were in Dogtown. But I didn't uncover the actual early history of Dogtown until I found an article published in 1926. So I'll cover those other articles in a few minutes. But this one in 1926 really explains the origin of Dogtown. It begins with this uh, article that was published in the Battle Creek Inquirer and the Evening News on January 10th, 1926. And it begins by saying, Dogtown is a place with a past. Most pasts are disagreeable to recall, but Dogtown isn't. <laughs> to begin with, Dogtown is situated about a mile west of Pine Creek, Leroy Township, and a half mile north. Now, 
just as a side reference, and I haven't verified this yet, but I believe the little village of East Leroy or thereabouts, part of that was originally known as Pine Creek. I haven't confirmed it yet, but based on the description of this map, that is right about where East Leroy, the little village of East Leroy, is today. But there may have been another little tiny community called Pine Creek back in the day, and I haven't had time to really verify that yet. But that's kind of the area we're talking about. So it's west of where you'd find the village of East Leroy and just a little north on the edge of the county. Anyways, back to the article. It says, years and years ago, it was known as Fiddler's Green. William Clark, one of the oldest settlers in this part of the state, brought up a large family there, and all were expert fiddlers. Folks drove for miles to hear them fiddle and play dulcimers. They also played for dances. There was Dan, Jerome, Foster, Anne, Cordelia, Mariette, and Hiram. Many local residents recall Dan, who played at a local theater and attracted much attention with his long hair hanging down to his shoulders. His home was at 751 Marshall. But what about Dogtown? Well, it seems the Clark family grew up and deserted Dogtown for less provincial places. A family by the name of Roe moved into the several houses constituting Fiddler's Green. Their specialty was dogs. Talking about dogs, they had them. Curs, whelps, perps, big ones, little ones. They loved dogs. Fiddler's Green became Dogtown. Before dismissing Dogtown, let it be said it has another, and by no means claim to fame, the oldest man that ever lived in Calhoun County came from there. He was Joshua Cahow who died about a decade ago at the county farm, aged 117 years. There are five houses in Dogtown now. So that was the end of the article. So there's a lot of very interesting little tidbits about the early history of Dogtown there. Originally, it was known as Fiddler's Green, maybe just colloquially, and it was owned by William E. Clark and his family, and they named out all the members of the family there. And then it was bought up by a family named Roe and turned into Dogtown. And it has the legacy of having the oldest living resident in Calhoun County ever having come from there. So, of course, I had to be curious and say, what is the story of Joshua K. Cahow? And I looked him up, and here's what I found. There was not much of a mention on where he came from. His father was Basil Cahow, and a Marshall Daily Chronicle article of March 21st, 1904, which was the year that he died, mentions that Joshua Cahow died at the county house Saturday at the age of 107 years old, which differs from the other article, which said he was 117. However, there's another reference in this Find a Grave research that says he was... 113 based on the death certificate that was filled out by the caretaker of the county house where he was staying, which was essentially the poor house. He had married twice in his lifetime, once to a lady named Sally Smith and another to Anna Marie Zerby Kissinger. And he had, from what it appears on the findagrave.com website, is that he had 
approximately six children with one wife and looks like maybe about as many as seven with another wife. He died in a poor house in Marengo Township in Calhoun County. There's no indication of a cemetery listed, but instead there's a note that says, specifically Ann Arbor, Michigan donation to University of Michigan. So his body may have been donated to science. So that is a interesting backstory. And I'm probably, if I did a little forward research on the surviving children, I might stumble across a little bit more about his history. However, I did research some of the newspapers from that time, and I found two clippings that I saved. One was from the Marshall Daily Chronicle of January 4th, 1904, and it reads, J.E. Nichols furnishes us with some data to show that Josh Cahow, an inmate at the county house, is 110 years old. Mr. Nichols' figures were obtained from Cahow 30 years ago. The late A.O. Hyde attempted to learn the age of the old man, but was unable to make him as old as he claimed to be about 15 years. So I'm not sure what they were referring to. The old man was claiming that he was 117 years old at the time that he died, is what they were saying. There's another reference here from the Owasso Times that ran on March 25th, 1904. And it reads, was 107 years old, Marshall, Michigan, March 21st, Joshua Cahow is dead at the county poorhouse, aged 107 years. He has been a county charge for many years. He claimed to be about 116 years old, but the poor superintendents who have cared for him and his family for years past fixed his age at 107. So there's the reference where he was claiming to be 116 years old. So, so much for the story of Joshua Cahow. He came from Dogtown. So now I'm going to explore some of the earlier articles that I mentioned. The first and oldest article that I found that had a mention of Dogtown was published on August 19th, 1887 in the Battle Creek Daily Moon. And it is a story of Daniel Rice, who was arrested in Dogtown, a small providence in South Battle Creek Township yesterday, was arraigned before Justice Flint and in default of $500 bail, was consigned to the Marshall Jail to await his examination, which is appointed for Wednesday next, the 24th instant. Dan is not the showman, but another fellow who is accused of lascivious cohabitation with one Mary Brewer upon the complaint of the latter's sister. Daniel is said to have a wife living from whom he has no divorce. So he was thrown in jail because he was cohabiting with a woman and he was married. Interesting story. So have the times changed. So that was in 1887. So one year later in March of 1888, there's a very strange event that happened which is a little bit on the disturbing side. And it involves a man named Isaac Clausen, who was accused of taking indecent liberties with the little 12-year-old girl named Aggie Shaw. And he was arraigned before Justice Flint. And the principal witness against Isaac is the little girl, who was put on the stand to testify on her own behalf. When asked where she lived, she readily replied, in Dogtown. Then the nature of an oath was explained to her by the prosecuting attorney, 
and she was asked to tell the story in a straightforward manner. The details are too disgusting for publication, but little doubt is expressed but that Isaac will be held in the circuit court for trial. Clausen has a family, but his wife does not appear to stand by him, and in fact has expressed the opinion that he was guilty. The little girl was accompanied by her widowed mother and several uncles and aunts. So far, no outside witnesses have showed up in behalf of the accused. So there's a little trouble in Dogtown with Mr. Isaac Clausen taking indecent liberties with a 12-year-old girl in 1888. Ah, but that is not the end of this story. April 6, 1888, there's a follow-up article. Isaac Clausen, who was released yesterday from Justice Flint's court on a charge of, of taking improper liberties with a little 12-year-old girl in Dogtown, was the most pleased fellow imaginable. He had been told in a sort of quiet manner that a crime like this was punishable up to the extent of 50 years sentence. And the case of the Kalamazoo man who was received that similar sentence was cited to him. This, with the fact that the case was being continually adjourned, worked upon Clausen's imagination to such an extent that he was really prepared to hear the sentence, you can be allowed your choice between hanging or going to the state prison for 50 years. When he was told that he was free, he came very near having a fit, but soon gathered himself and took the Pine Creek stage for home, the most happy man in the city. So evidently, he was acquitted before Justice Flint's court, and there were no other details in any of the newspapers. So that little trouble in Dogtown had a bit of a mysterious ending. Remember, I mentioned that the 1926 article said Dogtown did not have a disagreeable past, but apparently the author of that article had not done a lot of research. And there was yet another odd and peculiar story that I found on Dogtown that ran in the Battle Creek Moon on December 13th, 1898. And the headline for this little article says, Shot the Baby. And let me read the rest of the article to you. <laughs> Result of the accidental discharge of a shotgun. An accident happened yesterday afternoon in Leroy that may result in the death of the girl baby of Mr. and Mrs. John Peck. Fred Rice, who owns a piece of land in Dogtown, a locality two miles south of the West Leroy Post Office, is living on his land with his family in a tent. Yesterday, Mrs. Peck went over to the Rice's family on a visit. A loaded shotgun was resting against the side of the tent. When the family dog came in and ran against the gun, which fell to the ground and was discharged. Part of the charge of shot entered the head of the baby, which was sitting on the floor. Dr. Jackson of Climax was summoned and attended the baby. Whether the injury will prove fatal is not known. She will be one year old next January. So that was the first mishap with dogs in Dogtown that I found. And also, did you find it a bit peculiar that they were living in a tent in Michigan in December of 1898? Boy, that must have been some cold times in Dogtown.
In 1900, on August 17th, Charles DeBow, proprietor of the general store at Dogtown, was given a portion of his examination before Justice Bidwell this afternoon, charged with the illegal selling of liquor. William J. Spicer, the young Pine Creek farmer who caused his arrest, was present and was one of the witnesses. He is the man who escorted DeBow off the premises recently by the coat collar and was found guilty of assault and battery by Justice Bidwell. Several other witnesses were sworn for the prosecution and an adjournment was taken until August 25th. I did not find a follow-up on August 25th on this case, but a man was charged from the Dogtown General Store of Selling Liquor in 1900. More trouble in Dogtown. In March of 1908, I came across the first reference of a drain commissioner report on a drain being commissioned and the contract being awarded for Dogtown. And it was awarded to a man by the name of Morris Guy of Leroy for $148. And he was awarded, I guess, to build the drain or perhaps a drainage ditch in the Dogtown area. Interestingly enough, the drainage issue is brought up in later papers all the way up into the 1920s. And, of course, it was mentioned again in 1995 as part of the district of the drain commissioner in Leroy Township. So it's been known as Dogtown on the drain commissioner reports from the early 1900s. Here's an interesting article that I found in February of 1925. It reads, Cuckoo Bird Caught by Bill Hutchins, Noted Athens Trapper, at Little Brown Jug, six miles north of Dogtown. Caught in a large double spring trap, set for a wolf, and shown still in the trap. Rare specimen, only one of its kind in captivity. Extremely large head resembling a chantier, whatever that is. So a cuckoo bird was caught just north of Dogtown. Interesting. Now, an interesting article ran in the Battle Creek Inquirer in the Evening News in February of 1938. And it was an article related to the social security system in the city of Battle Creek and the surrounding townships. And it was mentioning just some of the cards and formal things. But here's an interesting reference here. And I'll just read it to you because there's a connection to Dogtown in it. For any reason a worker wishes to change his name, either legally or informally, there is no trouble about that. The Bureau has a card for Dogtown Slim, which is the only name, say, this client gave. It's being kept right up to date, crediting to him all the payments Slim's employer reports. If Slim decides later on to work under his right name, all he has to do is notify the Bureau, and those marvelous machines will assort future working cards under the new name right together with his old record as... Dogtown Slim. It will be all one. So there was a man going around the Battle Creek area calling himself Dogtown Slim. Want to bet he came from Dogtown? My bet would be he probably did. So the name Dogtown is a bit of a curious one. And if you do research and look into the name of Dogtown, you'll find that there are communities named Dogtown all over the country. And just doing a general search, I found that there had been one in existence 
at one time in New York State. There was one, a district in Baltimore. Another town in Ohio was called Dogtown, Ohio. There was a district in L.A. for a number of years. These are way back in the turn of the century. Uh, In Los Angeles, there was a district named Dogtown. There was a prairie dog area in Texas called Dogtown for a long time. And there was a mining town in California that was also once called Dogtown, where a 54-pound gold nugget was found there. So I found that kind of interesting. And also in Sturgis, Michigan, there was a district called Dogtown, and they made a documentary on that and featured it at the local Sturgis History Museum at one point. And I found that reference on their website for the museum. So the name Dogtown is an old name, and it is something that has been used in many places. just found it quite curious that there had been a Dogtown in Leroy Township. And I'd never heard anybody mention it before. And I even checked the history of Calhoun County, thinking that may have been an overlap and a reference, because as I mentioned earlier, some of the articles assumed it was in Battle Creek Township when it was actually in Leroy Township, and they were very close, so I can see how someone might make the mistake. And I didn't find any other reference to it, and I checked a lot of history books that I refer to to find material, and uh, that was the only time I found it, and it was on the 1894 Atlas, which is where it led me down this data trail to start searching for Dogtown. And of course, then I found that very interesting story of Joshua K. Kehow who was the oldest man reported to have ever lived in Calhoun County. And his exact age was anywhere from 107 years old to 117. It's quite interesting. And in doing so and trying to find other stories, I came across another lady that had died at the age of 117 in Jackson County. And that was an interesting story. That was covered in the Marshall Chronicle. So I may have to relook that one back up and see if I can find out more about her story for a future podcast. But that being said, that was the little research project that I did on the little community. I guess you would call it a community. Uh, it wasn't quite a big town. It consisted of maybe five to seven buildings at any given time. Maybe some of the earlier maps with the surrounding houses, you might stretch it to about a dozen homes. And apparently there was a little general store there at one time in Dogtown. And of course, a lot of dogs. So that's what the the little story of Dogtown tells us. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's little episode about Dogtown and this little piece of forgotten history, please take a minute to leave a review on whatever app that you listen to on. It would be most appreciated, particularly if you left a positive review. It helps my uh, podcast get found by other people when they're searching for interesting things to listen to. And of course, if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here on this podcast or my YouTube channel, be sure to check out michaeldelaware.com. I have some links on there where you can make direct donations to the work that I'm doing or buy some merchandise to my merchandise store. Or just send me a message if you have an idea for a future of a topic of history that you'd like me to explore in a future podcast episode. I'd be happy to take a look at it and see if it's something that I can find out information on. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another interesting tale of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. 